Welcome back to Worst First, your worst favorite show on the internet, where we talk about all the worst things that have happened to us in life, and sometimes they're funny, and sometimes they're sad, and today we have kind of a dark one. I have <laughs> Taryn Southern here, who literally has been through hell and back, and I am so happy that you made it back. And I'm still smiling. And you're still smiling, and you had breast cancer. Yeah. And this is your one year remission today, this, this week. week. This week is your one we year get to remission. Oh my God, you guys. I'm so happy for her. I was telling her that, like, it was so weird at the time that she got diagnosed, like a month before another girlfriend of ours had gotten diagnosed with breast cancer. And then a month before that, another girlfriend of mine, all in their 30s, had lymphoma, got diagnosed with lymphoma. And you guys all survived, which is great. And you all beat it. So I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so happy you're here and healthy you. and you look beautiful. So good to see you again. So good to see you. But I want to know everything. Speaking of worst first, so this is a worst first <laughs> time getting cancer. We're going to talk about like, how did you know? How did you discover? Like you're a young woman. You don't have the BRCA gene. No. Which, and I had already done a gene test just the year earlier because I'm really into bio tracking and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you are. My my, I do have a family history of breast cancer, so I'd done the test and everything Negative. was clear. So, ladies, that is one thing that you can do is um, go to your OBGYN and get a BRCA gene test, and that will tell you most likely if you're to develop breast cancer, so you can be proactive about it. So that's something everyone should do, but. You had it done and you were negative. Negative. And then you still develop breast cancer. Correct. Okay, so how, what was the first signs? So what's interesting is I had actually been, I had gone to the gynecologist a few months earlier, done my pap smear and they do the breast exam. Right. And everything was totally fine. It was a few months earlier. What? Nothing out of, nothing out of sorts. My health anxiety is just like, <laughs> go to the doctor every day. Go every day. Every get day. a prescription plan. Get on a, get on a fucking plan. Go every day. Yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I, no, I get it. <laughs> and then a few months later, I was premiering my documentary at the Tribeca Film Festival. The I Am Human, right? I Am Human. Yeah, yes. she's also a fucking filmmaker. She's amazing. We, oh. Watch I Am Human. Thank you. And so, so then go ahead. And I got really sick, as one does when you finish a big project and you've been stressed and not sleeping. Get super sick. Feel this massive like, ping pong ball sized lump in my underarm, like in my armpit. Were you I'm just showering. like shout? Oh, yes, yeah, sh- and it was, there was no pain associated with it. It was just this big ball. And I knew that, that p- no pain is a bad sign. Oh, it is? Yeah, you want oh. it to be painful. If it's painful, it's usually a cyst right. or something benign. <gasps> so, and I knew this. And so I was like, oh, no. What? It was a ping pong ball It was side? a ping pong ball. I said, where did this thing come from? Under How your was- armpit. Yeah. <gasps> so I got back Mom. to LA a few days later. Went into the breast cancer center at St. John providence they were like this can't be anything if it just popped up out of nowhere i said please biopsy it they said you're too young it doesn't make sense for it to be anything why don't you come back if it's still there in a month or two so they biopsy it and three days later i get the call that it's stage three breast cancer are you fucking kidding me and they wanted you to come back (laughs) you had to tell them to biopsy it yeah what the (laughs) fuck my health anxiety is just like well, you know, I, was th- I was 33. I think they were looking at me like there's just no way that it's probably just a, an irregular cyst. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> shock right now. But it's also that the whole adage of trust your body. 
you, know, you didn't, didn't you feel know. good either? Did you I feel? didn't feel good. The whole thing was just bizarre. I thought, how could this be so big and me not notice it? But yeah. I was also under a lot of stress, so I was like, I'm not paying attention to my body. Um, and, yeah, I was pretty stunned. And so they call you. How do they tell you when they call you that you have cancer? Uh, the oncologist said, do you have a primary care doctor here in L.A.? And I just switched insurances, so I said, no, I actually don't. And she said, well, I normally call the primary care doctor first, but you do have cancer and I need you to come in immediately. Immediately, like Immediately. drop your get out of the nail salon the wherever day. you are. Oh, okay, the next day, and and so I went home that day and did what every newly minted cancer patient did. I I drank. Um, you which, drank. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's funny at the time. My two right. my two best girlfriends came over like with a bunch of liquor and were like, they just didn't know what to do, and they were like, let's have a like a, a final party. Before- They're like, this will kill it. They're like, fucking, <laughs> fucking fireball kills everything. Pour it. Let open the cyst. Open yeah. the open the tumor. Let's pour it down the. Oh, my God. I think I only had one drink, and then I was like, I don't think this is actually Helping. good for cancer. Yeah, no. no <laughs> I'm pretty sure not. it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I stopped that. Oh, my God. That was the last drink I had um, for a very long time. Right. But it was, yeah, it was pretty shocking. I didn't believe the hospital, even. Um, I made them biopsy it a second time. You to make did? Sure, to make sure it hadn't been swapped with someone else's cancer cells. On accident. And they're like, no, bitch, you got cancer. <laughs> they're like, you did. We definitely don't swap things anymore. And then you're like, happen. remember when you said to wait another month? <laughs> remember that? Because I do. Forever. Yeah. Ew. Was it Cedars? No, it was St. John Providence. And they ended up being amazing. Okay. But, you know, there's, you just have to be an advocate. Okay. So for your own health. literally the next day you have to go in. And what do you do? What, what's this? What's the process? You go in. So I went in. They said, "Hold your mic as close oh, as you can." Sorry. There we go. Is that yeah. better? Yeah, it's much better. So I go in. They tell me that it's a minimum of stage two, stage three, um, but they want to make sure it's not in other parts of my body. So I go through a battery of tests: bone scans, uh, chest scan, brain scan. They want to make sure it hasn't metastasized um, to stage four. So I do do all these scans, and that that process is pretty anxiety provoking because you're just waiting to find out the you know the statistical chances of being stage three versus stage four are quite different, right? Um, and you're trying to avoid Google. Girl, <laughs> I would have indeed like to. I would have been like, "Oh, just say cancer." Okay, all right. Well, I ca- I would have ditched the girlfriends. I would have just been googling all night. I would have been taking weird supplements to try to kill it myself. Yeah. Like, so and you then did they- the full scan. I did all the scans. Everything, fortunately, came back negative on the other other organs, other body parts. Oh, thank Jesus. So it was just in my lymph nodes. Um, the, the cancer came back HER2 positive, which is a sort of more rare form of breast cancer, which my aunt passed away from 15, 20 years ago. There was, no. there was actually no chemo that could treat HER2 positive breast cancer. Um, now they have this amazing new antibody drug. That you have to be on for about a year. Oh my god! Um, that when you combine it with chemo, it's pretty effective. Oh my god! But it's a very aggressive form, so that's why it it was so quick. It like takes the life out of you. It's just fast. It's oh a fast growing cancer. So yeah. okay, so what did your parents say? Like your mom and your dad? Like, did you are you close with them? They were great. My mom works in a hospital, and so she was just like immediately. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna get through did she this. Cry? We'll be there. Not not on the phone with me. She was. A stoic. You called her and you're like, maybe she did. And I like, just don't Mom, remember. I have something to tell you. Yes. Yes. Was and she then I quiet? sent an email to all my friends because I didn't want to have the conversation. So I just sent an email. I thought that would be easier. Oh my God. I'm just like feeling for you. Like, that's just such an intense. Like, did you, in your mind, when you first found out, were you like, I'm going to die or were you like, I'm going to win? 
Like what went through your mind? I was pretty stunned. I think I think I was pretty much like, I'm going to beat this thing, but really irritated that I knew it was going to take over a year of my life. And I remember feeling very scared about what the long-term effects of the chemotherapy, the Herceptin Progetta uh, antibodies that I was taking, they're very hard on the heart, oh, yeah. uh, radiation, surgery. I just thought, what will this do to my body? And I kept thinking, am I taking years off my life? And that was that was the thing, that, like, the thought pattern that kept causing me the most anxiety, ironically. Yeah. It wasn't until I started chemo, and chemo would just kick the shit out of me every 21 days. What um, is, so what is the process of that? You go into the hospital, they, so you get a port implanted in your chest. Okay. So they can, so all the chemo can go directly to your heart. And oh, then, it goes to your heart? Yeah, you can't have it go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your heart's just like, what the fuck? I don't even want any more of this moonshine. What is this? <laughs> fuck just pouring it on your heart it's the fireball and meanwhile the nurses when they when they hook you up to the machine they can't even touch the outside of the chemotherapy bag because it's so poisonous but you're putting it in your body but it's going right into your heart (laughs) so i always found that a little amusing like just touch the bag just a little bit oh my Um, gosh so you're there do you feel it about eight hours like when it hits your heart do you feel it I mean, they have you on so many steroids and anti-anxiety meds that you're kind of like out of it. Out of it while you're getting chemo done, but it's an eight-hour. You're the. I mean, for me anyway, I had four chemo drugs, so it was about two hours set up and then hour each, hour and a half each drug. And um, how often do you do it? Every twenty-one days. And you would you stay overnight at the hospital? Mm-mm. Just have someone take you home, and then for my particular chemo, days two, three, and four, I was feeling okay and then day five you get you get punched in the stomach and it takes about a week to recover so wait what does that mean so you get done with chemo go home mm-hmm. you're fine for a couple days ish you feel ish. not great but and then by day five your whole body starts to fall apart what happens it feels like you're decaying from the inside it it's, does it's well because it's killing all of your everything. healthy cells and it's the killing first everything. cells to go are the stomach cells because they're oh. constantly regenerating yeah so you know, your stomach is, you're throwing up, you're, you have diarrhea. You it's throw like, up a lot. I mean, it's just all of it. And you're trying to take drugs to, to prevent the side effects from getting too bad because they don't want you to lose too much weight. So you're chasing the symptoms with different drugs. And it's like the, the drugs you take for throwing up can then cause you to have worse diarrhea and vice versa. So you're just on this roller coaster. Like how many pills were you on? I mean, I was so nauseous. It was a lot of times I would just refuse to take the pill. It was a Zofran. lay in right? a dark room. Yeah, Zofran. Good I, job. Yeah. Uh, you gave it to me for anxiety. Oh, I really? Like, I went through a weird stage of anxiety where I would like <laughs> vomit or like feel like I was going to vomit because my anxiety got so bad. And they were like, well, we're going to give you Zofran. I just like, I didn't like it. I like it. I was on chemo, so I, I couldn't like tell yeah. <laughs> whether Nothing. anything was working. It was Horrible. just like everything feels awful. Too much, right? And you already were like probably thinking you're taking all this chemo in and all these medications that you didn't want more. It's like, fuck. And then you didn't want to eat, right? No, I couldn't eat. Everything tasted terrible. Your tongue cells deteriorate. So you actually lose your ability to taste. But what's left is this bizarre sensation of the texture of food, but it's not accurate. So everything tastes like concrete. Ew. Like the texture of hard. Really? Even ice cream? Everything. 
everything. So how did you get? I food? found one. I found one food that tasted semi-normal. It was so weird. It's what not even it? a food I eat. What <laughs> is it? Cottage cheese. <laughs> wow. I lived off cottage, cottage cheese. cheese. Is like, well, we win in one scenario. <laughs> we got we got one person that loves us. Yeah, chemo patients. Wow, you lived off of cottage cheese. Lived off cottage cheese. And then, like, what about insurance stuff? Did they make you drink that stuff to stay like? So you didn't get too skinny? Yeah, I mean, the doctors were worried I developed cachexia because I got down to about 96 pounds. What's that? Uh, it's where your body starts eating your muscle tissue in order oh to- Oh my God. And it's kind of this, it's this awful cycle that once it starts, it's like a new metabolic pathway that the body uses and then you can't stop it. And it just starts eating all your muscles and then yeah. you like atrophy? So a lot of chemo patients will die from cachexia, not from, I mean- not that a lot of chemo patients die from chemo, but of those that do, a lot of times it's because of cachexia. So you can die from the chemo? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I too hard on your that. body if it just, it can also, there's a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things about chemotherapy, but we don't need to get into that. It's oh like my gosh. such a weird wormhole of science. I didn't know that the chemo could kill you. I thought that just the cancer would kill you. No. I mean, there are certainly a lot of people that are very anti-chemo because they think that it, it, Makes it worse. Makes it worse. Um, you're, I, I would never be someone that would say that because yeah. I think, you know, it definitely saved my life. I yeah. think it should be used in most cases. But there are some interesting arguments around why it can be really harmful. I have, a, I have a friend whose dad is very sick right now um, with pancreatic cancer mm. and, or I'm sorry, bladder cancer. And they wanted to do the natural route because he was already so weak. And, you know, and it obviously didn't, it didn't work. work. I mean, I've heard some people maybe it does, but, you know. It depends on how far along you are, what stage yeah. the cancer's at. That's a, it's a whole interesting I'm so, you're so strong. Mm. Like, you are really strong. I mean, to go through, fuck, I, if I don't, if I have, like, a headache, I can't even, like, deal with life. I'm like, uh-oh, nope, call an ambulance. Like, I can't even imagine <laughs> getting chemo and then, like, battling every day. Did you spend most days in bed? I spent most days in this tiny little bedroom. I blacked out the windows and so that I could just sleep. Yeah. I had this little bed and I would just sleep there. Yeah, most days. It was a really weird time. Um, at the worst moments of chemo, those were the moments when the anxiety over death oh, would come in. Yeah. Because I actually didn't have the resources to overcome the negative thoughts. I was too tired, too exhausted, too sick. And then like, you, because you feel like you're actually dying mm -hmm. from the chemo, mm -hmm. you worry that you will. And so yeah. what did you do to, to help yourself in those situations? I would just, I would meditate. I would journal. I would just try to remember I just have to make it a few more days. Because the second that I would start to feel better, that little glimmer of hope would come back. Yeah. And and by the time you finish one round, yeah, you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then you go right back in and do it again. Oh, uh, and it's for a whole year. Five, my chemo was around five, four, five months, five months. So you do it five times, six, six times. And then you feel, so you get it, feel okay for a few days. And then you feel like shit for a week, 10 days, yeah. 10 days, just hell, mm -hmm. just awful. awful. And then, and then back when to you come back to normal. sort of normal, and just good go enough. Through it again. Oh my God. <laughs> and then my last chemo. I'd be like, just blow my fucking brains out. I can't handle this. Just can you just add extra Ativan nurse, please? <laughs> I just don't want to know anything. Isn't that the interesting thing though about those drugs? Is that like, don't they kind of make you not care? Yeah, it's, I, I, it wasn't until n number three 
I called my mom. I said, I can't do this anymore. This is awful. And she said, Taryn, are you taking the lorazepam? And I said, no, I haven't been taking the lorazepam. She's like, Taryn, this is the time to take the lorazepam. Yeah. You take that lorazepam. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> and so I started taking it and it did help. That's the one thing I like, I will say, like I usually use CBD and ashwagandha root to calm myself down. But if I am in a K-hole of anxiety, mm-hmm. I just dose myself with either like clonopin or, or Valium and your body just goes, all right, cool. So you're worried about dying. Like now you're not worried about it anymore. Like yeah. you're just going to go to sleep. And like, if you do, oh, well, like, and sometimes you need the sleep yeah. so that you can actually reset. get through the next day. Yeah, if you're reset. not sleeping, it yeah. just compounds. You need to reset. Yeah, It's really hard. Fuck, I, I'm so proud of you. And then on top of that, you were going through crazy situation with someone, and I feel so bad. Thank I know you. we can't really talk about it. but Well, it's just, you know, I, I, I had a, a partner at the time, and unfortunately things with us didn't, work out and that was certainly challenging but um you know I think you learn in those moments that you really do learn what you're made of that like you can get through anything I just can't imagine like being sick with cancer and going through you know a breakup like I can't imagine dealing with both of those because like they say that a breakup is essentially like going through a death especially if you've been with someone for so long you it's a grieving process Mm -hmm. and then on top of that you're dealing with the fucking cancer and all that like it's a lot of uncertainty a lot like i girl i don't i'm like you are very strong do you feel strong i do good because you are strong (laughs) i didn't realize that i was as strong as as i i never felt as strong as i do now you've always been strong though I don't know. I feel like the little girl who's like climbing the mountaintop and always like, what's, what's on the other side? I'm terrified. Is that a snow in my face? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of rocks falling falling, everywhere. That's how I've always felt. Really? But I think this situation did change my orientation with my own strength and my anxiety and a lot of things because I I got through it. Yeah. You know, I did, I did go to through chemo in partnership and that Mm -hmm. was helpful. Um, You know, that breakup really happened after I finished chemo and then mm-hmm. and was preparing for surgery and radiation. And um, so, you know, it didn't happen all at once. Mm-hmm. It felt it felt like a lot, certainly. Mm-hmm. But that silly saying that I kind of hate that life doesn't ha- hand you anything you can't handle. It was like just the right string oh, of yeah, events. Yeah, yeah. To it's like we're going to break you, but not all the way. <laughs> like we're going to break you so that you fucking are in so much pain, but like not totally like done. Yeah. 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 We love that about life. <laughs> right. <laughs> just right. bend you till you're just about to snap, but you're not going to snap. You're just going to be real close. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll just keep pushing you. We, towards push, push, that push, push, push. we love that. We love that. <laughs> Thank you, life. Yeah. Grateful for that. Um, No, but so you and did you lose all your hair? So I did a thing called cold capping. Which I is, saw you doing that because yeah. I remember seeing your page because I was following you on your journey and I remember you putting ice packs yes. and things. It's like an igloo on your head and it freezes your hair follicles. And the idea is when you freeze the follicles, the chemo can't get to them. Wow. And it works? It, well, I mean, I looked like something else. You, <laughs> you know, it's like that Barbie doll <laughs> that Angelica played with. Like, I still have my hair just like in like sections. There were massive bald spots everywhere. No. I mean, I, I had like a full receding man no. hairline, but the middle part covered it. 
So these, I'll show you. These are my, these are my New actual growth. hairs. Oh, right so here. that was your, yeah. And then everything else is fake extensions oh my um, god i was I gonna did. say your hair looks so luscious and full for like being <laughs> a year out from cancer like wow no it's all fake yeah um i actually gave myself the extensions as my one year i love um, that yeah but it, the cold capping is amazing and not a lot of people know about it so yeah i'm happy that i shared it i know a lot of other women who are going through cancer now and are You're using the cold it? caps and, and was it uncomfortable to have <laughs> that because it's freezing, right? Like, yeah. I've done that. Which, what's it called? The um, cryotherapy? No, not cryotherapy, but I did uh, freeze the fat or whatever it's called. The oh, little, yeah. uh, what's it called? I forget. I don't um, know. Cool sculpting. Oh. So I did that, that one time on my thighs, and it was so fucking cold <laughs> that I didn't even make it through. Really? I was like, take this shit off. Like, this is because they freeze your fat cells to the point that they die. And then you pee, they massage it like you're a piece of fucking meat and you pee it out. But I like couldn't handle it because it was so wow. cold. So you, like your head was freezing. It was so cold. Yeah. But again, you're just kind of out, out of it. it. So you didn't even care. You're like, my brain is frozen. After I'm 10 looking. hours, it, your head is, <laughs> you, you can't feel anything anyway. So you just do, yeah, you just, just kind of suck it up and do it. Do you sleep for that 10 hours usually or no? Because it's no, so uncomfortable. No, because the caps have to come on and off every 20 minutes because the, the ice starts to melt. So there's someone putting them on and off your head. Oh so you can't really sleep. Oh, God. It's, Ugh. you know. Girl, you are a fighter. It's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, but I'm so proud of you and, like, your family's so happy too, huh? They were so, so happy. This year, about this time last year, I had surgery where they went in. They took everything out. Um, I still had tumors in my lymph nodes, so I was really concerned that I would have to continue on a new chemo drug. And I got the pathology call it was the first week of November and they, they said, it's all gone. They, the chemo killed everything. And, and they I just took all the tumors out. Yeah. It was where, just all dead. Where were they just left underarm in the arm? Do you yeah. have a scar in your, in your arm? Or it's no? actually on my breast. Cause they went in through the breast. Oh and then, wow. Yeah. And then, so did you have to have your breasts removed? Mm, I just yeah. had a lumpectomy. I had a very weird form of breast cancer called okay. occult her two positive breast cancer, which basically means they cannot find the original source of the cancer, but they know it's breast cancer that's spread. So they could not find it in the breast. They tried. They poked and prodded this left breast everywhere really? to try and find where could this cancer have come from within the breast. And it wasn't there. So we did a lumpectomy, still no breast cancer in the breast, but, uh, but yeah, it had already migrated to the lymph nodes. Oh. Really weird. And usually lymph, when you get to your lymph nodes, that's pretty bad. You don't like, no. That's Ideally, really, that doesn't happen. Really <laughs> dangerous. Like for, I, I know there's like a, not a high, it's not a high percentage of survival for that, right? For breast cancer, it's actually quite good. Yeah. For breast cancer. It is, okay. Yeah. Even it when it spreads on the to the lymph type. node. Okay. You know, the thing that you just want to caution it against with lymph node presenting cancers is once it's in the lymph nodes, it can go anywhere in the body because the lymph node system is all connected. connected. So you just want to treat it quickly. Oh, my God. And yeah. so they went in. They took all your little lumpies out. Yeah. And I remember you named your big lumpy Bob. Bob. <laughs> Did you get to see it? No. I would have wanted that shit in a fucking <laughs> jar, and I would have just put, like, a curse on it. Like, I would have been like, I need that shit in a jar. Yeah. To, like, keep in my house so I can, like you know, hex it and make sure it never comes back. That's funny. How big? Like, did they uh, tell you, like, when they took it out? Well, it shrank quite a bit. From oh, from the chemo, yeah, so it yeah, got yeah. smaller. So it was like this, like, shriveled raisin. Good thing. piece of shit. That's yeah. what it deserves. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> Goodbye, Bob. I'm melting. I'm melting. Oh, what a world. What a yeah. World. My gosh. Fuck. Yeah, but it was, it made it easier to 
to call the cancer something and turn it yeah, into a bit of a joke. I know. I like, saw Bob, you. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you, Bob. And that's such a good name because, like, who's named Bob? Let's and no real. one's really upset. Like, no, no one named Bob is scary. No. You know. And if you name someone Bob, like, what the fuck is that? Like, have you ever met a baby named Bob? Like, we ha- like, what is that? Like, not even short for Robert, just Bob. This is Bob the baby. <laughs> like, it's just be so weird. So. No one should ever be offended by you calling it that. That's ridiculous. But, okay, so um, so you made it through. I'm so happy. You just got your test, and you, you're going to go every six months and get, you know, checked. And yes. they check thoroughly. They they do. They, I did so, like, an MRI this week. Okay, so they, it's like a whole body? Full body. They hook, hook you up with contrast in your blood vessels so okay. you can see anything light up. And when I went in for my scan, it was just last week, and I – saw on the radiologist's face like a little bit of a puzzled look and you start to you know but you're like no it could just be that he's like has a bad fart right now or something you know I don't know why he has a puzzled look on his face right right but when I got out of the radiology room I stole a glance at the screen and I saw a bunch of white spots in the lymph node area and you don't want white spots spots so I spent four hours just trying not to panic Uh and and giving myself a pep talk that it's okay. I'm going to have to go back in. It's not gone. We're going to have to do this again. I've got this. It's going to be okay. I just kept repeating this in my mm. head. And, of course, I get to my oncologist's office. And she's like, oh, no, honey. those are just, You were looking at the, the scan with contrast. Those are blood vessels. Oh, my so God. You're fine. You don't have anything in there. <laughs> I would just be a wreck. Like, I already think I'm dying and I don't have anything. I'm like, every day, just checking my temperature with COVID, just... Checking my temperature every five minutes, like doop, just every I get sleeping it. with a crucifix, like <laughs> taking zinc. Like, You're doing all the right doing things. Doing Zycam, no swabs, like just just every, like, no, you know, I don't even really hang out with anyone unless they come to a podcast, but yeah. Right. And I make sure they're well, not you do. coffee, you know. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm, and I'm so glad to have you here. Like, I'm so glad to have you here in the podcast and that you're here. Thank you. Right? Thank you. <sighs> yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. I just have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's annoying a party. but it is it's a total it party. A party and it does it does just challenge every aspect of of concern and worry that I ever had like knowing that I'm that I'm still here mm-hmm. and, like, given that gift I had I had another girlfriend who I was going through chemo with at the same time uh Tatiana Carrier mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever met her but she was a clever tv host and worked kind of in the digital space and lovely person and we got to know each other going through chemo together and sort of developed this friendship relationship through this process and um she passed away in august and it was from breast cancer or the chemo from 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 the cancer from the cancer the cancer just didn't take to the chemo and so I was, oh I was devastated. And you were working and you were together going through the same thing. And did she have the same kind? Hers was a slightly different, um, same same presenting stage as yeah, mine, but yeah. a, a different subtype. Um, but yeah, it was weird. I mean, like all the way up through November when we, we had surgery around the same time and everything kind of looked the same for both of us. Yeah. Um, and so it's just whenever I felt bad about what was going on in my life or like at least I know a buddy yeah yeah yeah, I was like well I'm going well she's going through this too and then and then I knew that things were were getting worse for her but I didn't know how bad I really thought she was going to be okay I mean she was so optimistic whenever I was feeling really down she'd be like 
you got to positively visualize and we're going to make it through this and we're going to wow. celebrate together and, and, and go to Joshua Tree and have a whole, you know, trip yeah. of celebration when yeah. this is all over. And so I just never doubted that she would get through it. Um, so I was stunned when I heard the news in August. It was just absolutely what, so flabbergasted. Did it just spread or did it come back? It or spread. It spread. So she was still doing chemo and then she went and When they, the chemo doesn't work, you know, and it's continuing to It just spread. keeps going. Yeah. So like how, fire. how does the chemo not work? It, you know, cancer is like such a funny, weird thing. It's, it's basically like a malfunctioning cell. And there's okay. all these different subtypes within each cancer. And those subtypes matter a lot and okay. can change your prognosis quite a bit. In my case, um, the, you know, the HER2 positive breast cancer, it used to be a death sentence. You just didn't want it. But now they have this targeted drug that targets the HER2 protein, so it sends the chemo directly into that cell. Okay. Um, in her case, it could just be that you know that that there wasn't enough targeted drugs for her particular cell types. Oh. So it it was killing some of the cells, but not but all not the cells. Enough. And then the ones it wasn't killing were getting stronger and smarter. Um, you know, because they, they learn how to yeah, and they like survive. try to beat you. It's so weird that it's your own body. That's killing you. Yeah. But I don't get it. It's like they, what, they just have like, what, your cells just, they just get confused all of a sudden and they start trying to hurt you because they think they're protecting you? They just keep growing. They just want to do what other cells do, which is divide and multiply, Mm -hmm. but they won't die and the immune cells can't recognize them as harmful cells. Why? They just, they look like normal cells on the outside. So that's why they're such clever little buggers. Ew, I don't get it. It's, it's like, where did it come from? It's really a crazy story. The story of cancer is gnarly. Um, but it's anything, like any kind of negative environmental thing or things that we're eating and putting in our bodies can lead to these slight alterations in the DNA of our cells, which can then cause a cluster of small cancer cells. All of us have cancer cells in our body, by the way. We do. We all have cancer cells. Oh, great. What, what you don't My health want. anxiety is just like, <laughs> Guess who's Googling cancer for five hours after you leave, Taryn? Me. Oh, my God. I do not want to make you panic. But but most people's bodies have the ability to naturally fight cancer cells. The reason why most cancer patients are older is because as we age, our bodies lose that ability. Yeah, they're not as good at at finding these cells and getting rid of them. Um, But things like intense stress. Yeah. Great. I know. (laughs) I keep going, keep going, really just go, but keep putting this, the, this, <laughs> making it worse, things like extra, stress, anxiety, <laughs> uh, negative thinking, you know, just poisoning your body by eating impossible burgers all day, yeah, like yeah, yeah. me basically just yeah. like, all right, well, great. Um, but you know how it is. There are people that live their whole life with that stuff and never get cancer. So we, it's we, kind we of crazy, no, right? We have such a little understanding about it at this point at this point but I I did find it somewhat ironic that the movie that I had been working on I mean I was not sleeping I was really stressed in that six months before the release and you think I, that I, I used to joke it? that it caused my cancer oh my god okay wait I don't wait, know wait, but, you know. wait we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with Terrence Southern on t- we're gonna talk about your film okay. I am human okay we'll be right back okay we're back okay so your film I am human it looked fucking amazing. Thank you. It looked so futuristic and cool, and you directed it and created it. And tell us everything about what it's about, because it's so future. Is it on iTunes right now? You can find it on Apple TV, iTunes. Okay, great. Because uh, I'm Amazon. gonna, I want to watch it. Because I remember you posting about it, and it wasn't out yet, and right. I, I didn't ever catch it up. Came with it. out the same week of the pandemic. So oh, great. <laughs> <I was> like- <laughs> well, you guys now have something to watch if you, because you've watched everything. We know that. 
Yeah. I am human film. That's okay, right. directed by you, written by you, created by you. I co-directed it with my friend Elena Gabby. Okay. And we also produced it. And it follow we follow three patients who decide to undergo brain surgery mm-hmm. uh, and have these implantable brain interfaces. Uh, impl- sorry, I'm doing a terrible job. I haven't talked about my movie in so long. Basically, we explore the future of the human brain by following three people with implantable brain interfaces. And what so is that exactly? basically like the modern cyborg. These are people that have chips in their brain. You were actually talking about this a little bit on your last podcast when I was in the car on the way home. Oh, was it the therapy for the depression? Correct. That's deep brain stimulation. It is? Yes. And what they do for people who are incredibly treatment-resistant depression, they'll open up your skull. They will pop a chip into, you know, whatever area of the brain is causing the depression. And then you're basically set up to run on an electric stimulator for as long as you know you need the treatment and this chip stays in your brain and you're basically a cyborg it's and how do cool. people feel after that and how does it affect these people well so areas like depression obesity anxiety uh ocd they're still under a lot of there's still a lot of research coming yeah. out about them the research is compelling okay but it's very well known deep deep brain stimulation is a very well studied area of medicine for Parkinson's patients. So if you take a Parkinson's patient who's not responding to medication, you pop one of these chips in their brain and you stimulate them, their tremors stop, all of their anxiety and depressive, because a lot of that is also associated with Parkinson's, also tends to seize. Mm -hmm. Like it's very well researched. There's over 100,000 people with Parkinson's that have these these chips. So they're doing the chips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it it curing it or is it just kind of covering up the... It's alleviating the, the alleviating the symptoms. Alleviating the symptoms. Okay, great. Which allows people to live their lives. A better life. Right? And, and for people who are treatment-resistant, depressed, or anxious, or whatever it may be, I mean, whether it's alleviating the symptoms or actually solving the problem actually doesn't matter to them. They just want to feel good. Better. And so were the people in your documentary, what were they getting it for? So one had Parkinson's. Okay. And she was an artist, so she couldn't do her art. She was shaking. She couldn't paint or draw. And she was incredibly depressed, couldn't get out of bed, had terrible insomnia. That's another big symptom of Parkinson's. You can't sleep. Mm. Um, Another patient was a paraplegic. And he had been in a a bicycle accident, paralyzed from the neck down, was was told he would never walk again. And so he had a chip implanted along with 36 electrodes in his arm and hand so that he would be able to reanimate his arm using only his thoughts. Did he do it? You get to watch the movie. Okay, watch the movie. It's <laughs> so exciting. And then the third one was a, uh, a blind retiree from Canada who had this late-stage retinal disease where he was rendered blind right as he was retiring. And it happened so quickly within a year. And so he had a retinal implant that would allow him to be able to see again. Like replace his retinas. No, it goes inside of the retina. So it's oh it's God. like, it's a chip. It's, chip. I mean, this is all very sci-fi, but it's, it's totally real. sci-fi. And it's here. And we have this technology, but the, obviously this technology raises a lot of big ethical questions and questions around what does this mean to be human? What's right. the future right. of society? And so we also explore those bigger questions in the film too. And what made you be interested in this? Like what got you on this train? I, I started taking a really keen interest in everything in the emerging tech space maybe five years ago was mm-hmm. when I was starting to tire of the YouTube career because that's when we met when yeah. you were doing Vine and I was doing YouTube oh boy yeah <laughs> YouTube dead this will be on YouTube <laughs> anyway which is great which is great we love YouTube yeah we still love YouTube we still love YouTube um but I was really kind of 
it was it was searching for something intellectually satisfying mm-hmm. and i just got really excited about everything that was happening in ai and neurotech vr ar i was just like this is so cool these, these are spaces without rules i'm also slightly terrified by all of this stuff so i want to learn about it mm-hmm. and so I, I just started learning about it and then applying my storytelling skills to those spaces and um, decided that I just really want to focus on storytelling for emerging technologies. Like that, j- it just excites me. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like I get to learn things as they're happening, and then figure out how to translate that for broader audiences. I love that. And how did you find the people? And like, it was quite a process. We had to go. You know, we had to get all of these institutions on board, which was challenging. A lot of work. It was, it was, yeah, it was a several. Year and then endeavor. you got accepted into the Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah. My God, that's amazing. That's big. Thank you. It's very big. Honestly, I was pretty excited. Yeah. Um, And so did you guys, did you guys, um, did you win anything or no? Just being in the festival, just in the festival. We didn't win an award. Yeah. Um, but But that's okay. (laughs) No, it's the biggest high. Like it's such a great to even be accepted and in there is great. Yeah. Um, so do you know, like a lot about, I had TMS done to my brain. You did. What was so, that experience like mm, for you? And I've talked about this before in the podcast. It's called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yep. So I don't really have depression. I'm not sad really as much. About sometimes because I have such bad anxiety, it causes depression because I'm like, why the fuck am I having such bad anxiety? And then it makes my life feel sad because I'm like, I can't get me live my life because of the anxiety. But not really like a sad person, more like just I'm always like panicky and overactive and, you know, yeah. ADD, ADHD. And um, so... My friend, I was tried, I tried all the different antidepressants. I've been on Effexor since I was 16. We were trying to add different ones, take the Effexor away, add this, do that, blah, blah, blah. It's an antidepressant. Got it. So, but also an anti-anxiety. So like it, it works on both your serotonin and your, um, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, non-epinephrine. That's probably right. So basically it works on two receptors, not just serotonin, whereas like some of them just work on serotonin. So we tried to like supplement me with different things, Wellbutrin, Prozac, Cymbalta, Celexa, all these different things. I've tried like every drug and it wasn't having success. I was getting really sick. I'm very sensitive to a lot of drugs. Mm -hmm. So my my friend who's a psychiatrist, um, Dr. Josh Lichtman said, you know, you should go try TMS. There's like a huge success rate with it and and if there's no success then it just doesn't do anything so it's there's no bad there's no bad uh repercussion from it so i said okay i'll go try it and i went and i did a series of what's called theta bursts where they put these electric magnets on your head and it's like a knocking sound like a and you hear is that like, anxiety like inducing? A wood, like a woodpecker. Absolutely. For some people it is. I just oh, lost my tap. Okay, don't worry about it. It's it's like it's like a woodpecker okay. pecking on your skull. Okay. Slowly. And that's the anxiety protocol. And that's not covered by insurance. That's like out of pocket. So it's like super expensive. Interesting. But I did it because I was like, my health is worth it. Um and I did that and I did this the theta bursts for as long as I could afford it. And I noticed like I was slower. But I was slowed down. So, like, my anxiety couldn't get to where it was going. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, I felt slower and I felt a little more tired. But I also noticed I wasn't having panic attacks. I wasn't, you know, jumping to the, you know, it feels like it just dulled my brain down a little bit. You know what I mean? Just slowed everything down. So that lasted for, like, six months. Okay. And then I would have really just needed to keep going back and keep doing it. Um, But for me, I was kind of like, 
the place that I was going was really far away. And so I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to do the drive. And like, I was so tired. Every, it's an, at 45 minutes, oh, wow. you know, every time. And, you Special know. clinic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're now they're everywhere. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I was thinking actually of going back, but I ordered recently a product and I don't even know why I'm talking about it because I don't know if it's going to work or not, but it's called Alpha Stim. Have mm-hmm. you heard of Alpha have. Stim? Yeah. Have you heard anything good about it? I haven't, but I can I can ask a few people. I yeah, please t- do. TDCS, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a transcranial direct stimulation. Exactly. So that's exactly like it's like a it's like a TMS light. Yes. And so I figured, oh, TMS worked for me, but I felt like it was a little strong. Okay. Because I would leave kind of ooh, like mm-hmm. oof. I don't even know how I drove home. Um, Alpha Stim connects behind your earlobes. And you can start it at like 200 watts or whatever and then go up and then you'll know like your hand twitching. When your hand twitches, just like in TMS, that's how they calibrate you. Oh. Like TMS, they'll do the the magnets. And as soon as your hand twitches or your lip moves, they know they're at the right spot. Wow. And that's why you don't go any higher or any lower. And so Alpha Stim works the same way. Your hand will like twitch and but you do it yourself at home. You have to tell me how this works for you. And I will get I will get the lowdown from some Please of my TDCS do. friends. I would love to know because I know there's a couple other ones. There's like something Wallace is another one. And but anyway, I just heard about it because I had my brain scanned at the Amen Clinic. Okay. Have you heard of the I Dr. Amen? No. So I had my brain scanned at the Amen Clinic, and was it like an MRI scan? It's or? um, it's a SPECT scan, which okay. is a very different type of scan. It shows the activity of the brain, and it shows trauma in the brain. Right. So they inject you with a dye, yep. and you lay on like a table, and they do this. For, first, you do like a couple exercises to get your brain like active, you know, like little just word exercises and number exercises, and then they lay you in the machine, they inject you with a dye, and then they um do like a thing of your, they scan your brain and it shows the activity of your brain, like electrical impulses of how your brain's firing, what areas it's firing in, what areas it's not firing in. So I'm actually posting the video on it. It'll already have been out by the time this podcast comes out. I posted the video on it. And basically my brain was full on trauma brain. Your brain is lit up and the top part of your brain's lit up in a diamond and it's called the um, PTSD diamond. So wow. anyone, usually people that have been to war have it or people that have been under extreme stress and trauma their entire life. And on top of that, my brain was lit up in areas it's not supposed to be lit up. So parts of my brain, more of my brain is working than than normal people. That must have been comforting on some level for you to see. Oh, that yeah. You know, the, oh, yeah. this is not just something I'm making up. Like, this is part of my... It's so comforting because your whole life you just think, oh, I'm just crazy. Mm. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm going to the doctors for nausea. I'm going to the doctors because I'm shaking. I'm going to the doctors because my heart's pounding out of my chest. I'm going to the doctors for all the symptoms of what I'm dealing with and I'm getting told I'm fine. And that's the worst. Like, I'd rather it be something so that I can go, okay, and then this was my confirmation that my brain is fucked up and I have a big dent in like the front of my brain which is like a ADHD dent when you have ADHD it creates almost like a crevice in the frontal lobe and so I have that and also they can see your vagus nerve which controls mm-hmm. mood regulates mood I'm, I know you know all about this right no but it's great and my vagus you know a lot my vagus nerve was completely almost not functioning wow so I'm doing like daily exercises where you that like, yeah you know that like no I don't hold tell your, me hold your tongue to the top of your mouth and just push your tongue to the top of your mouth. And just do that as you're sitting there watching TV for 15, 20 minutes and it stimulates your vagus nerve. Wow. Another thing that stimulates your vagus nerve. Shh. 
do that for as long wow. as you want watching TV. Do it to your children. Do it to people you don't want like like. <laughs> Stimulates your vagus nerve. Gets your vagus nerve working. That's brilliant. Isn't that funny? So all cheap these and, little, and, and easy. And convenient, right? It doesn't cost <laughs> yeah. any money. So all these little things I'm trying and, and you know, um, Dr. Amen is very like supplement friendly. And so we tried some supplements that weren't great for me. I don't do great with supplements. I just haven't. My body gets, you know, whatever. But um it's good. You have to be I think you have to be really diligent if you yeah, supplement work yeah. and do a lot of blood work and yeah. sure that things aren't getting out of whack. Yeah. And I'm also just like I think I'm like not I don't know what to say allergic, but like I just have bad reactions to a lot of supplements. I've tried them and I either like immediately throw up or have like diarrhea or whatever. Mm-hmm. So some stuff just doesn't sit well with me. But um It's like great. You, You'll do the all natural. I'm doing my I have my effector. I have C B D that has the ashwagandha root in it. I take magnesium every night. Great. Isn't that magnesium? That one's a great, great one. Magnesium, magnesium is the must take for it's anyone. It's for your brain, like just so yeah. good, right? And your heart. Even if you have no issues. Even if you have no issues, guys, magnesium glycinate every night before bed, liquid gel capsules, change your life. Um, So do that. And then I take a vitamin D every day. It's supposed to be great for depression. And COVID prevention. And COVID prevention. Higher vitamin D levels. Absolutely. And then a vitamin B6. I try to take like a lot, but then I, it actually, like I'm so sensitive that vitamin B6 actually amps me up too much. And then I get to like, I start to spin. (laughs) Um, I can't drink caffeine. So avoid all caffeine, like all that stuff. You know, you just do things you learn. And um, how's the EMDR been for you? You So I'm just starting. Oh, you are. Yeah. So I will have had, no. Yes, I will have had, no. But when this comes out, I'll probably just be doing my first session. So I'm so excited about that. So that is my favorite thing. Tell me all about it. Tell me everything. So I started doing EMDR work last fall as I was going through my separation Mm -hmm. and obviously still, you know, recovering and figuring out what the next steps were with treatment. And I found it to be immediately effective for me. Yes. And I hear that from everyone. (gasps) Now I will say, so EMDR, uh, basically what it, there are different ways to do it. There is a version of EMDR where you're just physically tapping Mm -hmm. yourself in various places. And then there is a more technologically concentrated version of EMDR where you're hooked up to a machine. You're looking at a light going off in front of you. You've got headphones on with these audio sounds coming in through your auditory cortex and these vibrating kind of devices in your hands. And the idea is any sort of any person who's been through any sort of trauma has this electrical charge running through them as they're reliving the trauma. Mm. And while you go through this therapeutic process and you're reliving the trauma in whatever form, the therapist basically turns on all of these sensory inputs and it, it basically overrides the brain's ability to, like, it, it, it strips the charge from mm-hmm. the trauma. Mm-hmm. Because you're overloading your system with so much data. So did you do the ones that you hold? I did. I did the one with the, all the electronics. Yeah. Does it so work I, when you don't do it without with the electronics? I don't know because I've never done it that way. Oh, crap. Um, it's okay. I mean, try it. But I also, I, I have a, a great person for you if you want to try okay, the other yeah, version. I mean, it has been, it was effective from day one for and me. And then how often do you have to do it? Um, I would go back. Let's see. Last fall, I was going once a week. And then early this year, I found I, by February, I was like, I'm totally good. I don't need this anymore. And so I stopped going for several months. And then I started going again, actually, when my girlfriend passed away, because I really felt that was hard for me. And so I started going back in and it makes such a difference in how you relate to your what's going on up here. So what do they do? Do they ask you questions about your trauma and then just do it while you're doing? Yeah. And and a, a big part of it is focusing on what's happening in your body as you're thinking through these deep fears. 
you know, you'll, you'll give things a rating. Like what is on a scale from one to 10, uh, how intense is this feeling right now? And where does it exist? Is it in your chest? Is it in your spine? Is it in your legs? Is it, where is it? Ah. And then you focus on it and then they turn on all of these devices while you're just focusing on the feeling. And oftentimes I find that for a brief period, while all of these noises are <laughs> happening in your ear and the vibrations are going off and the lights are spinning, I get super worked up. I actually get almost like to a 10. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden, it just dissipates. And I feel this incredible calm. Wow. Like incredible, incredible calm. I am so excited to try it. I'm so I'm excited for you. Because I'm doing it over Zoom and I kind of think it's something that should be done in person. But I've got someone for you. You do? Yeah. Are they in the area? They're amazing. They're in Brentwood. Okay, that's fine. So I know it's a little that's bit of a track. That's great, but, but worth yeah. it. Oh they're amazing. God. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I think it's more of an in person. I think I, I'm so. gonna try it over the Zoom, but I'm you know, I'm a little skeptical about this doing it over Zoom. Even like, I mean, I don't mind therapy over Zoom, but I always feel like it's like a little bit less personal. And, yeah, you know, it's hard. Well, and I so think. much of it is the therapist also being intuitive and, and yeah. seeing you. You're real. And a big part of EMDR. What's interesting? Really well trained therapists. I mean, they they watch your eye movements mm -hmm. because whenever we get really worked up about something, our eyes tend to shift in really mm -hmm. funny ways. It's like, mm -hmm. cause the brain can't process or hasn't yet created a narrative that feels good about that wow. situation. So the eyes dart around. And so they'll find that they're like, wait, hold that. What's going on here? Where is this in your body? All right. Now we're going to turn it on. Keep and you talking. can pinpoint it. It takes me a little while. Sometimes like, I'm like, I, I don't know. I just feel yeah. paralyzed like I'm everywhere. Like, I'm like, I'm just stressed. It's in my brain. My brain. Can you turn the brain off? What can we do? Can we do? But you'll start, you will start to become more aware of, of shallow breathing in the chest, like a heaviness in your chest or. A, Which I just have know, all the time. The <laughs> is it COVID or is it anxiety? That's my favorite game to play with myself. That's my favorite. Oh that's my great. God. That's amazing. Yeah. You will develop an awareness, I think, around the link between your brain and body more in EMDR than in any other kind of therapy. Okay. So I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so excited really excited about it. And then also I'm just like so excited about like watching your movie and learning more about, do you guys talk about the, anyone who's gotten the implant for depression and stuff? Like, and how has that worked out? We don't talk about it in this movie. We, we do, I guess we kind of briefly talk about it, mm -hmm. but not, not extensively. I mean, that's if we did a sequel, <laughs> I would should. definitely go into all of that. We're, try, we're trying to set up a TV series version of the film. So yeah. that would be really cool to be able to follow all of these different patient stories from around the world. Yeah. You know, there's someone in North Carolina that just had the implant, 33-year-old who treatment-resistant addiction for on, I think, morphine and had this thing implanted and immediately, like, addiction-free. And does it change your personality or like? So this is the big question, right? Okay. If you're putting something in your brain right. that's actually manipulating the signaling, all of all our brains are is just a bunch of electrical signals. That right. is it. Right. Thoughts are just a series of electrical signals. Yeah. Does it change who you are to have yeah. this thing in there? And is that a bad thing? Right? Like, couldn't we also make the argument that Brittany or Taryn, who are this like kind of amalgamation of years of neural pathways that have been set a certain way. Yeah. But if we start doing a ton of meditation and we start doing EMDR, it might take a really long time, but we'll start them. to change those pathways. Yeah. That's just changing the electrical signaling. I just become totally not funny. <laughs> I'm like, hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> just so boring. And like, well, that's like my that biggest happens. fear. Cause I'm like, part of my anxiety I think is like what makes me like goofy because 
my brain is just firing on all cylinders all the time. Well, and you're seeing, I actually think that you're seeing all of the funny patterns about yeah. human behavior, which is what makes you so funny. And I make fun of myself a lot because I just looked at my nightstand before I came up here and I have like an oxy- oximeter or whatever oximeter to check your pulse rate. I have a blood pressure cuff. I have a cardia heart rate EKG machine. I have a bunch of Zycam. I have a crucifix. Like, like a true comedian, right? <laughs> Nothing's funnier than Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, what the fuck? My husband's like, this bitch. Oh, oh my God. It's crazy, what right? What do you think it is about people in comedy who tend to have, I mean, there's so many of us who have anxiety disorders or, or it's weird it's like i feel it? like you just almost it's like you just go through so much that at one point you can either completely break down and become like a psycho or it's make it funny because yeah. it's like the only way to deal with it's it your therapy it's, it's your own therapy is to like be like ah it's hilarious like i i get to the point with my anxiety where i get mad at it and i'm just like and i make a joke out of it i'm like yeah totally let's we're totally gonna have a heart attack while we're driving that's <laughs> hilarious like you know like you have to make it you know and i'm always like liking anxiety memes and then people are posting them and people are like that's not funny like i have blah blah i'm like bitch this, this is your, how i fucking how you cope with, with this shit do you have a name you know? for your anxiety no, it's just <gasps> name your anxiety. Really, it's a good one. It's it's. I think it's like naming my cancer, Bob. Really, it minimizes. But I feel like it it's contains like, it. I wish it was. I f- wish I felt it was separate than me because it doesn't mm. feel separate than me. It feels like it is me. That's why you have to name it. It's not that you. It's Come not on, that Brittany. And it, maybe it won't feel separate. <laughs> right, it's right. A, it's a step you can take to start to create a separation narrative. Yeah. I named mine Mr. Scary four years Mr. ago. Mr. Scary. And so whenever it happens, it's so overwhelming. But I'm like, Mr. Scary, stop. Yeah. You've come to visit me and I don't want you here. Stop being so scary. My husband calls me WCS. Maybe that's what I'll call it. Worst case scenario. <laughs> because I think of the worst everything. Yeah. Like everything. Planes, you you like do everything. also realize, though, that that is a, an underpinning philosophy of stoicism. So that's not necessarily What does bad that thing. mean? That's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I would, I'm just planning. I would be interested. Out. Yeah, I would be interested in what happens if you actually like turn that into a positive narrative for yourself, which yeah. is like, you know what? I expect worst case scenario all the time. And when worst case happens, like I'm pretty well f- prepared. I'm ready for it. for it. I'm ready. And when it doesn't happen, I have this pleasant bit of surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always shocked when I get on a plane and it lands without it exploding. I'm like, mm, didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> Exactly. Like when we like we fly private sometimes and there's like one time we had a pilot who was like 105 and I'm like, no co-pilot, just you, buddy. You has the blood pressure looking a little red today. Like I was He's like, I was like if he has front. a heart attack, who's going to fly the plane? Nina Dewina? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> I would like, love to see that. Oh my God. Video. I'm like, who, who has plane flying skills? Like I freaked out. Yeah. No, anyway. you're a modern stoic. I'm, you know, I did read that about though. People who are hypochondriacs and anxiety ridden and are um, like worst case scenario people are actually, they live longer. Because they're constantly checking. They're constantly yes. over-prepared for everything. Conscientious. So conscientious. Like, yeah. I want to be a little less conscientious. <laughs> That'd be nice. It's great. Right? That'd be nice a little bit. I actually was like, maybe I get, like, a half a lobotomy. Can I get, like, half where I'm, like, still functioning but, like, not going to the doctor every day? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they say that they live longer because... So there you go. They worry about everything. You know, just take every little bit of positive... <laughs> that spin because that's all this is like it's all this is all fake everything is not real i know and it's so, scary right we live in an illusion i just wake up and i'm like i feel like shit today everything sucks 
but that's okay. I'm going to tell myself a story that feels better. And even yeah. though I know it's not real, part of my brain will just like the story. Yeah. And it will feel a little bit better. Exactly. We can what, just make it up. That's right. I'm just going to start making it up. Like, yeah. you don't have anxiety. You feel great, bitch. Like, just <laughs> well, this is what I always lie say now. to myself. You're not anxious, Taryn. You're just really excited. I love that. And because it feels similar. Yeah, it, it does. It's a slightly similar feeling. I know, so it's, I can trick my body. It's true. Because when I get overly stimulated, even in a happy way, even if I'm, like, so excited, like, on vacation, I'm having a lot of fun, boom, panic attack. Yeah, because it's just overstimulation. My brain goes. Mah! It's like the yeah. it's like the Honeycrisp guy. Like he's just in my brain, like too much sugar. Ah! Like he Your just freaks poor out. Little physiological system. So psycho. It's like, ah! like I have like a piece of chocolate, and I'm like, Mah! like it's like just like a sight. Like I'm seven. Like it's like can't have like you have to like water down my apple juice. So like, if you have like, a really coffee, sad. it's just like oh no, my it's- god, it's nine one one is what it is. Even if it's like a light coffee, even if it's like one of those shitty frappuccinos Decaf. that's mostly like. Oh my, any kind of caffeine. I'm the one keeping the Coca-Cola caffeine free industry alive. Like I'm like, can I get the caffeine free version? Everyone's like, (laughs) it's great. It's great. It's horrible. But anyway, I've loved having you here. I want everyone to follow you. You're just Taryn Southern on Instagram, Instagram, YouTube, YouTube, all the places, Twitter. And that's Taryn, T-A-R-Y-N guys. Cause I know some people don't know how to spell me. (laughs) Taryn Southern, just yes. like Southern Comfort, your favorite drink, and not sponsored by this podcast. But Taryn Southern, follow her. Go watch her film, I Am Human. Yes. And it's really, it looks so cool and futuristic. Thank you so much. And how cool is it? Like, you beat cancer, you directed a movie, you're alive, you're killing it. Thank you. Literally. And I have a podcast now that you're on. Yeah, so I'm so excited. I'd love for your, I'm doing her your podcast fans now. to listen to it because it's going to be. Yeah, and great. make sure, and what's your podcast called? When Things Go South. Oh, wow, perfect. Same thing. every day in my life when things go south guys make sure to check that out and make sure to stay tuned next week for another fun episode of worst first we'll see you next time